Well, good evening, and can I have my welcome to you? It's good to have you amongst us this evening. Uh, just before Joshua asked us to uh, consider what we just read about Mary in the Bible, that she pondered all of these things that the angels had told them. And this evening we've sung some songs and we've read some portions of God's Word, which I guess for most of us are fairly familiar. And uh, perhaps for some people they'll attend a service such as this and they'll think, oh, that was lovely to do that again. It's, uh, well, we'll see you again next year. Uh, but I want to ask you to, to maybe consider this one simple question. As we've sung these familiar words and as, as we've listened to all of these familiar accounts of how the Lord Jesus came into this world, here's an important question that all of us need to ask. So what? So what? Well, what I want to try and do just for a short time this evening is uh, impress upon you why it's important to ask that question and to bring to you the answer. <laughs> so what? Uh, quite a few Christmases ago, uh, this was how the Christmas tree looked in our house. Nothing, nothing special about that. Uh, but then one morning when I came down, um, I switched on those Christmas lights and the tree looked like this. Uh, there were two sets of lights on that tree. There was a big set of lights all around the bottom portion and right at the top there was another smaller set of lights. And, uh, well, some of you, like me, are old enough to remember the time when Christmas tree lights consisted of real proper light bulbs and not all of this LED stuff that we have nowadays. And some of you will remember what it was like uh, getting out your Christmas lights from the loft uh, from the year before. You'd spend half an hour trying to untangle them and then you'd hold your breath as you switched them on to see if anything at all would happen. Uh, but even, even if things began well, uh, some of you probably, like me, had mornings like that uh, and nothing came on. Because, of course, the, the problem with those old-style Christmas tree lights was that they were very basic, the, the way they were put together. And as soon as one bulb went out, they all went out. I want you to just think about that, that principle. One light out meant all lights out. One light out meant all lights out. There was a man once came to Jesus uh, and he thought that he had everything sorted in his life. He was a really good Jew, so he thought. Um, he actually was quite wealthy. Uh, and he wanted to come and inquire about this new teacher, Jesus, um, uh, just what it was, perhaps, that, that he might need to do in order to be certain that, that he was right with God and in order to be certain that God would accept him and think well of him. Uh, he was a man who was convinced that... Uh, 
he'd kept adequately all of God's commandments. And Jesus said of him, one thing you lack. One thing. And that one thing that he lacked ruined everything. That one thing that he lacked meant that he had nothing. One light out means all lights out. But one saviour means that all may be saved. Let's think about this for a few moments. Now, I'm going to begin by just reading a few verses from the book of Romans, and then we'll consider each of these three verses one at a time, and then they'll come up on the screen. But let me just read them. Just, just have a listen. This is from Romans chapter 5. And some of you, if you're hearing this for the first time, you, you might not quite catch on to what Paul is saying here. So we're going to go back and look at them one at a time. But listen. The Apostle Paul says this. If by one man's offence death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offence judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For, as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. So keep in your head that very simple principle. One light out means all lights out. But conversely, once you've spent an hour and a half trying to find the bulb that's gone and you've fixed it, one light on means all lights on. Let's have a think about this. Let, let's bring up the first of those verses that we just read, but we're just going to think about the first phrase to begin with. It's verse 17 of Romans chapter 5. The opening phrase says this, if by the one man's offence death reigned through the one. Well, what, what is God talking about there through his apostle? Well, he's talking about uh, a man called Adam, who some of you will have heard of. Adam, who was the first man who walked this earth. He was the creation of God. And Paul is teaching us um, in these verses that uh, sin uh, came into this world through this one man, Adam. And because Adam, at that point, was the, the representative of all of mankind, uh, 
we call him our, our federal head. Uh, he was stood there and Adam sinned against God. And you can be absolutely, absolutely certain uh, that if it was any of us who might like to think that we'd have done better than Adam did, uh, we wouldn't have. And Adam sinned against God. Adam disobeyed God. And the Bible teaches that because Adam sinned, that all of us subsequently have been born with that same sinful nature that Adam had. One light out, all lights out. One man sins. All who follow after him are born in that same sinfulness. All who are born after him inherit that same sinful nature that is found in Adam. So every single one of us, born in sin, born with a sinful nature, and the wages of our sin is death. It brings a spiritual death to our souls. And one day it will bring a physical death to our bodies as well. And so Paul continues in the next verse. And again, let's just consider the opening phrase of the next verse. Therefore, as through one man's offence... Judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Adam's sin against God brought upon him awful consequences. He immediately became aware of his own sinfulness and of his own guilt and shame. He immediately was separated from that fellowship that he then enjoyed with God because of his sinfulness. And he brought himself under God's judgment and condemnation. Life had been wonderful for Adam and Eve in the garden before they sinned. They had to work, but their work was a joy and a delight. But afterwards... It will be a great hardship to them. And the, the judgment and the condemnation of God was upon them because of their sin. And all who follow on ever since are likewise under that same condemnation, under God, because of our sinfulness, because of our sinful hearts. All of us are under that condemnation. It, God's judgment has come to every single one of us. There are no exceptions to this in the whole world. Even the people who you might consider to be relatively good people, still this is true of them. That God's judgment and condemnation is upon us all. It all goes back to Adam. But it's flowed down from him to every single one of us. So what is it that's happened? Well, Paul concludes his, his train of thought at this point in the very next verse, in the opening phrase. By one man's disobedience, 
many were made sinners. What he's actually saying is, well, actually, there are none who aren't sinners. He, he says it plainly. In many other places, there are, there are none who are without sin. Because of this one who fell into darkness, the whole world is dark. One bulb went out on the tree. The whole tree is plunged into darkness. That's exactly how it is with sin. That's exactly how the Bible teaches that it is for all of us in our sin. All of us, disobedient, rebellious against God, not wanting Him to reign over our lives, rejecting Him, our, our lives full of self, full of sin. It's often been said that the middle letter in the word of sin is I, and it really is at the very heart of it all. We don't want God to be at the centre anymore. I want to be at the centre now. I, I've mentioned this quite a few times. As, uh, uh, that, um, that recent uh, game event for military personnel who've been injured, uh, many of whom have very serious injuries, the Invictus Games, um, they, they take as their, their motto uh, the words of a particular poem uh, which has in it this phrase that I am the captain of my soul. I sit on the throne of my life. I have dethroned God from his rightful place. I might acknowledge that he is there I might believe that he is there, but he doesn't have the place that is his rightful place in my life. I might acknowledge that, yes, I believe that the Bible is the Word of God, and I can see that it's a very special book, but I don't have any desire to follow it. I don't have any desire to obey his commands. And in every way, through and through, I'm, I'm full of sin, and because of my sin, I've, I've come under this awful condemnation, under God. And there are none of us who are not in this position. Because of the one, this is how we all now are. And then Jesus came into the world. And Jesus will in many ways use that exact same principle to turn things around for sinners and to make things new and as they ought to be. So in each of those three verses, uh, what the Apostle Paul teaches us is that because of the one that is the, the position and the state of all of us. Uh, because of the one, that's what's now being passed down to every single one of us. 
But then in the second half of each of those verses, he talks about that which the Lord Jesus came into this world to do in order that this awful situation might be changed. Because to be under God's condemnation and to remain there and to have nothing done about it means that the day is coming when all will be judged by Christ when he returns because he's coming again a second time. And on that second time of his return, uh, all who are still in their sin, who are in this sinful condition, who are under this condemnation, they will find God's awful judgment coming upon them. And it will last forever. It will be an eternity of torment in punishment of their sins. But Jesus came. That's why the angel said to the shepherds, hey guys, we've got great news. We've got such good news. Today, a Savior has been born. That in this one, many might be saved. Many might be redeemed. And the whole thing switches around. So back in verse 17 of Romans 5, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus is this gift of grace, undeserved love and kindness and mercy upon sinners come from heaven that we might be forgiven the one who would die in the place of sinners that we don't have to go there the one who would take this condemnation upon his own shoulders that it might not fall upon us this gift of righteousness this state of being right with God right before God, being right in God's eyes, in the way that God judges what is good and righteous. This is found in the Lord Jesus, the one who alone walked this earth and remained without sin. The one man who came into this world and this pattern was broken. This which was passed down from Adam did not pass to Christ. That's why he was born of a virgin. That's why it was the Holy Spirit who worked in Mary's body that Christ might be conceived, that this pattern might be broken. And in this one, Jesus, all might be restored. All might be made well. And so in verse 18, having spoken about the fact that in this one Adam, all have fallen into sin and condemnation, Paul then says this, even even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. And so the Bible holds up this Lord Jesus Christ. At Christmas, we hold up this Lord Jesus Christ. 
In fact, as Christians and as a Christian church, every day, every Sunday, we are holding up this Lord Jesus Christ. Here is the one who is God's answer. Here is the one who is God's solution. Here is the one who is God's remedy to this problem. That just as all of, us, all of us have been caused this problem through that one, we may turn to this one, Jesus, and be saved. Have you done that? Do you know this forgiveness and this salvation which this one man has brought? And as Paul says here, it is the free gift. The free gift. Now, you'll hopefully be looking forward to receiving a few gifts in the next week or two. And perhaps some of you have already got wrapped the ones that you intend to give to others. Or you'll be doing it at midnight on Christmas Eve. But that gift has been bought in most cases. Someone's gone out and purchased that gift that that item might then be given freely. And the Lord Jesus has paid a great price that you might have this free gift. In fact, there's never been a greater price paid for a free gift given. This is the greatest price that's ever been paid for the greatest free gift that you could ever receive. And here it is presented in the Gospel and through God's Word. The free gift of righteousness through one, the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot make ourselves right with God. We cannot sort out this predicament that we're in on our own. We don't have the ability to do it. For the most part, none of us even have the desire to do it. We don't care about what God thinks of us for the most part. And we just lay it all to one side. But God couldn't, because he's a God of such mercy and such grace and such loving kindness. He decided, even though, even now, they're still against me, I'm going to do something that they might be saved. Even now, they hate me, but still I'm going to love them and send my son that they might be saved, that I might offer them this wonderful gift of my grace and my love. All through this one. And so in the final of those three verses, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So we've sung our hymns and we've read our familiar portions of God's word. So what? So that you can be saved from your sin so that you can have the condemnation of God removed from you because it's already been taken for you by the Lord Jesus on the cross so that you who are condemned in all of your sin might be set free and that you might be made righteous that you might be put in right standing with God through this one man the Lord Jesus Christ. 
we were remembering the other week that the Lord Jesus is the light of the world who's come into the darkness. Because of that one man, Adam, the light went out in the world and the world was plunged into darkness. But another one has come who is the light of the world that that light might return. And it's only found in him. There's nowhere else you can turn. There's no one else you can turn to but to this Lord Jesus Christ. This one who was the baby born in Bethlehem. The one who we remember during this Christmas season. But so what? So that you might be forgiven all of your sins. So that you might have the hope of life everlasting with your God and with your Savior. So that you can know that you no longer are under condemnation. And know instead God's love, God's mercy, God's grace upon you. To walk with him every day and then to be with him forever. It started with one. It ends in one. And everyone in this room this evening, either you're still in the darkness brought about by this one, or you're in the light brought about by this one. Where are you this evening? But the gospel message is this. If you will turn to the Lord Jesus, if you will, if you will repent of all of your sins, God in his grace and in his mercy will bring you, even this evening, out of that darkness and into the light of his, of his Son. If you will turn from your sin and turn to Christ, the light will return in your life because of this one who came. And so will you turn to him? Will you love him? Will you trust him? Will you put all your hope in this one man who is God, the Lord Jesus Christ? For this he came, and he still saves today.